0: People love to separate work life and quote-unquote real life or personal life, and and you can go ahead and do that if you want. I think part of this conversation is a wondering of what's there to be had in relationships if we decide to take kind of these walls down or take the silos away. I assume people don't wander in because they don't want the mess or won't quote-unquote won't know what to say, or maybe they fear that if they got too involved, they break some kind of professional code or something silly like that. That's my invite to you is just to wonder what could happen I'm thinking about it pragmatically as well because, I mean, if we're connected more deeply to someone and then we work shoulder to shoulder with them, what's to be lost by loving each other more, knowing each other more, being more connected?
1: Hello, everybody. This is Chad. This intro is just a little bit different than the usual because this conversation is quite different than the rest of ours. And... I hope you can find some value in it and I hope you enjoy Listening to our conversation It's not structured My father passed away Two days before the recording of this episode Three days before the recording of this episode And instead of Pretending like it wasn't happening Or instead of just going on As business as usual Dan Adrian and I thought this was a great opportunity For us to talk about Team dynamics when somebody Has a loss And it ended up being a lot more about me And (laughs) my relationship with my dad the things that I'm grieving, the things that I'm mourning, the things that I'm thinking about at this time of his passing. And and I appreciated the space and the love that they showed to me in that conversation. and And then we get to, towards the end of the conversation, we get to talking about well, what does this mean for leadership? What does it mean for you as a leader of a team? How can you be with people on your team that are experiencing loss? And it's a beautiful example of the conversation that's available. And we're all going to experience this at one point or another in our leadership, in our teams, and in our businesses. So I hope this is something that's meaningful to you as it was so meaningful to me and to take this opportunity and use our platform to both process things that are going on for me, but also to talk about how this can look in leadership in general. I don't I actually don't know if anybody talks about this at all and how we relate to the people that are on our teams when they experience loss. So, so great for all of you that listen, for all of you that reach out. Grateful for Dan and Adrian for the space to have this conversation. So let's dive in. Hey, Dan and Adrian, so good to be with both of you.
0: Mm-hmm. Good to be here.
2: Good to be here, Chad.
1: Yeah, life is happening. And um, this, uh, this past weekend, Friday, January 5th, my father passed away after fighting cancer, lung cancer for two and a half years. Um, he was a veteran smoker of I think 45 to 50 years of his life and he, he uh, finally stopped suffering last Friday and um, so you know we were going back and forth about what do we want to talk about on the podcast this week and um, I mean graciously for from you two you said well hey what why don't we talk about life and legacy and mourning and knowing and story uh, in the context of what's currently going on for me. So I appreciate that and i um, so grateful to have this conversation. I know I'll get a lot out of it that I need in the moment as I'm working to do my own process of mourning and comfort my family and make celebration plans and all that kind of stuff. So, um, but I also asked that you two kind of lead me through it. Um, so, um, yeah. yeah, how do we well, how do we start this?
2: Let's start first off. You know, um, I think part of this is to acknowledge how important this is as a team, because if you're going through it, we're going through it, and uh, you know, it's it impacts you, so it impacts everybody. I don't know how many leaders slow down to really connect with what's going on for one of their team members when there's a loss to check in, et cetera. And there are, you know, there are a number of things that occur for an individual. Like, you know, we've, you know, we just walked through a death. Um, we all walk through them in our lives. And I don't think we slow down to see that it has both uh, a cognitive, a neurological, and a sociological impact. Uh, most people don't know that, and most people don't know that the brain, in many ways, has to be taught how to grieve and how to mourn, right? And, uh, and there are specific meanings for those words. I think mean, the culture de- describes meaning, the meaning they use for grieving is the personal emotional effect you have when you lose somebody. And mourning is the, in the cu- cultural definition, the expression of it, uh, of the grief. But um, I have a very different. I have a, a I, w- I consider it a more useful understanding, which because I've, as eight years, I was eight years a, a chaplain and walked through a lot of this, these types of situations, and I found that grieving, really, is the emotional suffering of what we've lost and what we had and what we lost and that it will no longer be there and all of the pain and suffering or, you know, resentment all the different things that, you know, know, sorrow, pity, whatever, the things that come up. And then mourning is the suffering we have when we realize the things that will never be because this person's gone. And um, what I mean by, there's a number of, research articles uh, around the brain and grieving uh, and and mourning and uh, it's it talks about uh, when it says the brain uh, needs to learn what happens is you know you would come right up against losing someone now i have to my brain has to come to terms with what will life be like from now on without this person, and then we even learn who they were for us up until that point and sometimes that prompts grieving cool. And loss, the sense of loss and mourning, um, you know, like wow, I, I you know, we're gonna we we'll talk about that. Like a number of things can come up in that process, and is there a room? Do I give myself room and permission to kind of embrace the biological responses and the cognitive responses that are going to come about as I as these things open up? And it's a social. And you know, social. It's really interesting. Most people don't know that if you go to, like, if you go to a usually a, a Jewish funeral, they have grievers. They actually will pay people to come in and mourn, and that's because as they mourn it, it triggers other people to begin to connect with the emotional loss, which is vital because that if I'm unwilling to face the emotional aspect of it, and the uh, I will not. Gain the cognitive lessons, my brain won't get the learning it needs and can very easily go into what they call PTSD, right? I'll push myself away and stay away from it. So, you know, for me, I thought this would be great for us to talk about because we love you, we live with you, and we care about you and your family and your legacy. And though I didn't know your father, I never met him, I have gotten to know something of him through you and through the pictures, and and uh, and I, it's like I didn't know you were a cowboy. I didn't know he was a cowboy, and I thought that was really powerful, just learning that, right? And uh, so, the, you know, for me, I get to know you better by walking with you through what you discover in this process, and we can bond as a team uh, by doing that together, and so what a better, you know, we haven't pre-talked about this, and so we didn't get to talk much over the weekend because you've been so busy. So I look forward to whatever comes up in this call. And I think whatever comes up is just fine, right? Like we can explore as much as you'd like what some of the things that you're discovering. And I know you mentioned a couple of things and that'd be a great place to start. Like what are the most prominent things that are happening for you? And, and what are you realizing? What are you learning?
1: One in this context, I'm thinking about how grateful I am that our, our year beginning team meeting is a day after the celebration because, you know, as soon as the celebration's over, I get to jump in a car and Agent will be driving with me and get to come and spend two days with my family that is my team. And not a lot of people have that, which is huge loss for them, a huge gain for me. Um, and so this, my hope is this conversation can, um, inspire some leaders and some teams to, to be this for each other. You know, there's nothing nowhere else I'd rather be really than at that point in time than with you guys and sharing in that, that bond that we have and planning the kick-ass year that we're going to have. And, Um, you know, so I'm thinking about that, and it's. I think most of my, I think most of my thoughts about the time, most of the thoughts that I'm having, I I don't see them as regrets, but I see them as missed opportunities. If if that makes sense, there's a difference there for me. It's like, what's that um, difference for you? The difference for me is it's not in present in present it's a motivator to to do something different
0: right on yeah
1: rather than a than something sh- than you know being uh guilt like guilty or shame or you know sulking about it or what, something self pity yeah exactly exactly it's like um we, we were talking about before we hit record is that you know my dad wasn't known by really anybody um it's been it's been fascinating we you know people in his life his sisters and and my mom and my siblings we all have stories about his life but not a lot of, no information really about how he felt about his life or how he felt about these things or how you know there's there's a good period of time during his his life with his first wife that nobody knows really much of anything including my mom, including his sisters. And um and I you know, to me it's like, well, I didn't ask. Uh I didn't Is that true? Karen uh, that um, you didn't ask? Yes. I mean it I, I I'm sure I did. I'm sure I, I asked about certain things in his life and, and those are the things that I probably got pretty uh, you know, shallow stories about i think um i did i always was very fascinated with his time in the navy i I just thought what he would i mean he was a hydraulic mechanic on the uss kitty hawk he worked on the hydraulics that were the air the the jet lifts right so when the jets were down on the mechanical floor which was the second floor of the aircraft they'd have these giant um they would have these giant elevators that would lift the jets up onto the main deck and he worked on the hydraulics that, that ran those elevators that moved the jets up and down. I was pretty fascinated with that. So I'd ask him questions about that. He also had his Naval yearbooks around the house on his desk. And so I would flip through those and then, you know, that would spark my, uh, that would spark my interest. But that was also, that was the only, really the only pictures I saw of him previous to my mom and their marriage. And uh, now these pictures are like surfacing of him on this motorcycle. And it looks like Southern California somewhere. And I'm just like, wow, that looks... I wanted to I wanted to know about that. I wanted to hear him talk about that. Was that his motorcycle? Did he ride motorcycles? Did he love motorcycles? Did he... I mean, he didn't ride motorcycles when I knew him. And so, anyway, just the knowing... Is the knowing him and being known by him and I think is the thing that um is is missing for me. And that I think that's when you talk about mourning Dan, I think that's what's coming up for me is like I, I won't I won't know him.
0: Yeah. What are you thinking, Dan? Oh, oh I just I
2: don't know if it's you, you know, I just it's sad to me. Not I can't and I guess that touches a part of me too. And yeah. my relationship with my dad. Yeah. There's parts of him I'll never know. And I know my dad, you know. So I can imagine I guess part of me is wondering, kinda of putting myself in your shoes and uh you know, allowing myself to be touched by that possibility. Yeah. And, and, and does exist in my in my relationship with my dad around certain things. Like I don't know him or he may not know me. Like the the other it goes the other way too. Did he know me? Yeah. Did he want to know me?
1: Yeah. yeah.
2: And the, and not like, not like uh, self pity, but just like sadness for the loss, the the vacancy, right. the
0: void. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I was thinking as you were talking. Chat is like I want to go call my dad. You know, because I know if he were to go today, I might know him better than anyone else. I might. I don't know though but there's like so much, I don't know, especially it's just so, you know, I don't want to take this conversation into a, I naturally think about men in particular. Um, I think the male spirit has a natural propensity to just tie shit off and move on and kind of not be connected. And, you know, and I think that's especially, uh, in this day and age with, I think the, what's the word, I can't find the word for that. The to make something demonic to make something negative like the masculine spirit we've said for over the last you know 10 20 50 years that men are bad and so we've shoved them back into the cave and your dad lived in a cave yeah scared to come out um
2: maybe shame maybe yeah maybe didn't want to i mean there's a lot of there's certainly immediate payoffs of not of just staying focused on others and taking care of them, because part of what I heard from you, Chad, is your dad was well known for helping other people, kind of making himself available, and you know, in service, which is yeah. a good way to avoid having to have somebody know know anything about me except for what I do for them. Yep. Did you yeah, know? I mean his, did you know his dad?
1: No, no, not much at all. Um. You know, that's, that's been interesting over the last couple of days to get messages from people and the, the, by far the most mentioned thing was that, you know, your dad would do anything for anybody. Yep. And, and I know what they mean is they mean he would come and he would patch your drywall or (laughs) fix your plumbing (laughs) or my dad could do anything, my dad could do anything around the house. Um, and, um. That's one of the beautiful things that I got from him is that I can do anything uh, mechanically or, or construction wise around the house. And, um, it was just interesting that that's, that is beautiful to hear that that's what, you know, how he touched people. And, um, there's also a a part of it that's, well, you know, none of it was like, he was so good at. Or he, you know, I could, I felt emotionally supported by him or, um, I don't know. I don't know. Dan, you talked about the, you have to train the mind to grieve and mourn. Yeah. And how does one train their mind to grieve or mourn? The way we're doing
2: it, just this way is, you know, being able to talk about what you had that you cherished with him that will no longer be. And then, like, recognizing you didn't know and recognizing that his sister really didn't know a big swath of his life, and your mother as well, like, you start talking about those things, the more we talk, and and as you talk with family, those things will arise, and people are going to have different emotional responses to those, and that's part of training the brain to look into it, because as we look into it, we learn, like Adrian said, I want to go talk to my dad, and... I have the same compelling experience in listening to you as I, there's certain things we can talk about that I haven't talked about. So that's part of the learning. Right. And, yeah. and, um and it, and it then can go deeper in you, that recognition, that empathy. So you can pass on to your son, a new legacy yeah. where he does know you, you know, Milo gets to know you and you, and you already know Milo well, right? Like, that bond is there. You're breaking, you're reinventing, if you will, that legacy. You know, and I know your dad and Milo were connected, right? So, you know, so there's a there's a there's something beautiful emerging from it the more we talk about it, the more we learn, and our brain will cognitively learn things like we did here, but neurologically too, because you're seeking. Your brain's going to seek some equilibrium about how do I go forward with my own existence in light of my father's death and what do I take forward with me and how do I talk about him and with the kids and with the family and you know and that'll have a lot to do with how you relate going forward to other men as well. Yeah, so there's all kinds of things in here that I think are very subtle, but they're real. And uh, and by just taking our time, like when Eon died, we just spent two months doing this, as as it was, you know, at the table, on the couch, you know, on a walk, as things came up, so things we can learn things, right? And we learned to weep together, and some of us would, would weep, and some of us were mad for a while, and was back and forth. But wherever anybody went it was good because we, we all learned from it. it. So that's what I mean by. The brain needs to learn, and the more we look into what we're afraid of, the more courage it calls out of us, and the more, and the sense of possibility that we can still do something about it while we walk the earth with those that we're with.
1: Life is not fair. It's what you negotiate. Let me say that one more time. Life is not fair. It's what you negotiate. Now, that's an interesting thought. If that's true, it means that everything you have in life right now, the possessions, the relationships, the fitness, the mindset, are all a product of your negotiations with others and yourself. And if that's true, wouldn't you wanna be very clear on how you negotiate, what's effective and what's ineffective, what your strengths are and what your blind spots are? It is after all, producing all the results in your life. So here's the deal. We put together a 15 question quiz that you can take in five minutes or less and find out exactly what your negotiation style is. The results of this quiz will give you insight into your strengths and blind spots in negotiation. It will also give you insight in how you can accentuate those strengths or compensate for the blind spots. Think for just one second with me all of the conversations you're having in your life. Think about compensation or advancement conversations with people on your team, discussing financial decisions with a partner, or just getting your kids to get their damn shoes on so that you can leave the house. All of these conversations are negotiations. This simple yet powerful tool has the potential to reinvent the way you get what you want in every aspect of life. Go to negotiation.takenewground.com right now or click the link in the description of this episode and find out what negotiation style you embody. You can thank us later. Now back to the show.
0: I have a question for you, Chad. Like as you think about that, that he didn't share and at least as you said it, you didn't ask. Tell me more about why you didn't at least far that you didn't. I'm sure you asked some questions. That's why I was at least wanting you to tilt the prism a little bit there because um, I'm sure it wasn't that absolute. But what about your relationship with him, your view of him, your view of yourself, you think, you know, instructed you as you were leading yourself to, like, hold back from asking those questions?
1: Um, that one's easy to answer. Mike's, I've thought a lot about it. Yeah. over the last couple of days and sure. over the last couple of years as he's as he, even in even watching him die I I had thoughts <laughs> of what why aren't you willing to ask at this moment and um you know the surface story is he's clearly uncomfortable sharing so I don't I don't want to be in an uncomfortable conversation
0: whatever you didn't want to like make him uncomfortable
1: um i don't think it was that generous i think it was <laughs> I, did, I didn't want to feel the discomfort of him being uncomfortable
0: mm. um for fear that and, he would shut down even more or that he would okay
1: yeah um sh- shut down more or it's an it's an it's uh it, it's a dynamic that i've participated in our whole life which is like um questions are annoying
0: to him yeah yeah
1: really of any flavor (laughs) 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 and you know part of this yeah part of this process for me has been really beautiful because a lot of empathy has come up for me for him and i watch myself in my relationship with my own kids uh have a tendency towards annoyance in some like at times definitely not like we're very I I talk to my kids a lot
0: yeah Um, you're a killer dad I love watching you parent your kids I'm always instructed during that time thank you
1: I feel I feel like it's mutual Um, but I do I know I feel that natural tendency to not talk to not share to be annoyed with it to you know it's not like it just comes easy for me which I make up that it does for some other people um but that's why I mean questions were always met with a little bit of a uh a, a eye roll and a and a shrug and then you know and that's I think that's why I didn't ask
0: Got it so you could because you'd If he had those responses, you would feel judgment either from him or about yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. You said that's the superficial answer, or you said that was the easy answer. Were there other answers?
1: Yeah. I don't know. At some level, there's probably bitterness that I didn't care to know.
0: Yeah. I get that
1: also say like i feel inclined right now for some reason which i'm sure people listening it goes without saying like my dad was awesome in so many ways he always provided for us he worked his ass off he taught me to be honest um to work hard you know all of that all of that stuff and and it's it's weird to have conversations like this and um, for me, it's weird to have conversations like this and feel like I want to defend him <laughs> along with talk about uh, this just didn't work, man.
2: Well, I mean, yeah, like when you find that feeling, it's like, who are you defending him? Who is it that you feel is attacking, which I think goes back to Adrian's question about is there some resentment or or something like that that... You know, like, I know for me, you know, I used to get, when I was a kid and it shut me, I just decided not to, you know, reach certain conversations because I was the one that's too intense. You know, you're like your mother, you're too intense. I remember one day he said to me, my dad said, "Um, not everything has a meaning, Dan. And I retorted after a few seconds and got myself at least a hand an arm's length away. And I said, unless of course it does, and I swear to God, if I was closer, you'd smack me. But I remember thinking to myself, I think I'll just stay away from these conversations around, particularly around human relationships. So. Because I was always asking questions about my mother and him and how is it that my mother, like, like how does he feel about where she is? And you know, like I was always putting my finger on the horse, the dead horse in the room. and uh, And I think, Later on, I did it, you know, mischievously just to get back at him. You know, those kinds of things. It was my way of exerting my strength. Like, this is something I can do. I mean, I thought about it. you don't do.
1: And then take that next, take that one uh, generation further. You tell the story of Danny just saying, Dad, can you just spank me rather than talk to me about it? That's right. I'm <laughs>
2: I mean, in my dad's camp. Like, all the other kids get strength that's over with. You want to sit here and you ask questions that have too many answers. So, yeah. Maybe maybe my dad had something there. Hey.
0: <laughs> well, we're all plagued. You know, the three of us in this call, we're all plagued with being just, you know, we're all into intense and like the deep end and suffer. I'm into it. I was in a conversation with somebody the other day a first conversation and she was telling me something really heavy about her family. And she like got insecure and backed out of the conversation. She's like, Oh, that's too, I'm like, Oh no, no, you don't know who you're talking to. I've got, can I talk to your brother? I, you know, I, <laughs> if she was talking about her, how her brother and her dad are disenchanted and hate each other. And I'm like, I want to talk to your dad and your brother. And I was just in a first conversation with this gal. Um, so anyway, we're all that type on this call. That's probably why, partially, why vocationally we choose this kind of work because we want, we want what's really there, the full breadth of it. And I can relate, Chad. It, it's, uh, you know, I'm convicted with my own resignation around my dad as well. Which there's some of it that's you know, it's similar to yours. Like if I if I press in and he doesn't meet me there, will I be disappointed again? and some of the disappointment is on myself, some of it's like a judgment of him um, and so maybe it's just better just to like act like we've got a great relationship and my dad is like the, one of the nicest people on the planet a good man, a good 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 man uh, for you know, so many so many reasons um, and yet, you know, there's longing that'll probably be there until I die around what didn't happen between my dad and myself, just, you know, um, from a view of like a mentor and uh, a guide, you know, he guided me, he has guided me to the extent that I, I'll say he's capable of. I don't think that's true, but in pop culture, we'd say that like, Oh, you know, they did the best with the tools they had, which is always a lie, but at least makes us feel better about it.
2: Right. You know, Chad, I was interested. I've always been interested because I, you know, I grew up in a very different environment. Like being a cowboy was like way out. I came from a very street savvy kind of business oriented world. You know, with my dad and my grandfather was all about entrepreneurship. And, you know, I I think I was the only real out. I like to go outdoors. My grandfather liked to ride horses and that kind of stuff. But um, I wondered, like. When you're on, when you, you cowboyed together, right? You guys rode together. Like, what kinds of conversations came up when you were alone together?
1: There weren't around
2: the fire, like, hanging out.
1: No. Oh, it's amazing. It was pretty logistical. Yeah. Yeah,
0: Grab that rope, go get that saddle.
2: What did you love about it? Did you love anything about doing that with him?
1: Uh I loved that it was the most excited I saw him get about anything I ever did, so he loved it. He loved it. It makes sense yeah. to me
2: i would I just have a romantic sensation right because I never really did it, and you know I love the you know I love the wilderness, so it's like I always thought about shit that'd be great right across the high plains. I imagine that would be very bonding just working together.
1: I think that was, you know, I think that was it. I I, I I, saw him light up in a way that I hadn't, I didn't see him light up anywhere else in
2: life. Well, I, you said that when your horse died, that was really affected you. Like it was a traumatic experience. And I wondered how that was connected in, to that. Cause you, to me, that you, I thought you said that was like, that's it for me on Cowboy. And I'm not going to get that attached again.
1: Yep. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. I got a horse Hank when I was um for Christmas actually. I mean who who gets a horse for Christmas?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Badass. I, I, I opened the the bridle was wrapped up under the tree and then we went and, and rode Hank all Christmas day long. It was it was a unbelievable, unbelievable uh experience as a kid. How old were you? I think it's fuzzy. I think I was ten. Okay. 10 or 11. Uh, We only had him for two years. He was a huge, beautiful black quarter horse and just the most gentle but powerful. And he and I just got each other. Like I learned barrels and poles and roping and all just in, and we just, I I don't know. We didn't even, we communicated in a different way than. than anything else and and um he was pawing it he was in his we had a metal barn with some corrugated metal that came down to the floor and and there was weeds outside of the barn and he was pawing at the weeds trying to get the weeds to come underneath the the wall of the barn so that he could eat them and his hoof got caught caught on the corrugated metal and it just cut down to the bone up underneath the hoof and uh, the vet said there was just no way it would ever heal. And I was in sixth grade, I think, um, sixth or seventh grade, and I got called down to the principal's office during the day, out uh, of English class. Remember it so vividly. And got down there. My mom was bawling, and she had told me what happened. And we were going to go say goodbye to Hank, and then they were going to put him down. And it was after that, like, I just did I wasn't interested anymore. I don't, it was, it was odd. And I, and I stuck with it for a while, but my heart was gone. You know, I just, I did it because I knew, I mean, honestly, I knew if I didn't do that, I didn't have anything else with him.
2: Yeah. Did he buy you the horse? Yeah. So, I mean, bought you a gift that, you know, basically brought you a gift that brought great joy. And connection to him and what you love doing and the horse itself. There was a deep relationship with the horse. The horse couldn't talk just like your dad didn't talk much, but there was a working relationship. And I just there's a lot of connection in there. I just know when you talked about that story, I'll never forget, you lit up to me. I was like, Wow, wow. I, this is important. important. And I was like, Wow, well, he didn't he stopped after that, man. Yeah. What happened it was your relationship with your dad after that? Like was, what'd you do to connect? Did you, since you were cowboy cowboying?
1: Well, I mean it. It was really divergent at that point. Um, that was about the same time I found skateboarding and punk rock music.
2: There you go. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and uh, my dad could not understand that at all. Um, you know, and it just, we just, it just was very. You know, my. I, I I probably skateboarded every single day of my life for four years, four, four or five years. And I, I don't know once that he came to watch me skate. Yeah. And I never asked, you know, never asked him to come watch me skate. But I that is very distinct in my life. In my mind, and it was at the time too. It's just like, wow, they're—it's not interested. But I felt like if if I wanted his interest, that I get, had to do what he wanted me to do. I needed to do the thing he was interested in.
2: That's, That's something to think about, right? I know you're you're very involved with your kids on every level, so yeah. There's something obviously you learned from that.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. I can I can see those tendencies in me. You know, it's something that I'm actively not going to participate in. It's like I could see my lack of interest in uh, show tunes.
2: (laughs) Oh, let me tell you, I have a physicist for a son. So imagine what to get to know him has been a journey because physics is not my bag. (laughs)
0: Look
2: at this algorithm, Dad wow that's really cool
0: how do you feel about that algorithm
2: <laughs> feel I remember I asked him one time how do you feel about that he goes feel he was like well what do you mean dad I go no what do you feel what do you feel internally Like, what are your feelings he goes I don't know what you mean he's like completely blank yeah I went check okay good
0: okay like,
2: wow no 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 no. Yeah. I've learned a lot about physics I can tell you that. For the same reason cuz uh for a long time that's how I felt about my dad. although he did make it to my games there was a lot of things I did that he just wasn't interested in. Yeah. And then you know, I remember thinking to myself I'm going to be I'm going to stay connected to what my son wants to do not just what I want to do.
1: It's interesting to keep I mean of course in the context of recording this and my Podcast mind, I, 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 you know, I'm like, what is the value for anybody listening to this that listen, and I, and I, I keep thinking about, you know, we're talking in the context of dads and parenting or parents, and and I keep to me, my mind keeps going back to the parallel of leadership and like knowing people on your team.
2: You bet, because. I can tell you, for me, I want to know this stuff, because then I can be sensitive to where you are, and if I connect, you know, if if our togetherness, what we're doing together serves you, well, that's only going to deepen our ability to make a difference with others. You know, to me, there's, there's a direct or an indirect connection. There's a, I know this pays off in areas that I can't even see, and that, Personally, I grow in it. I get, I become more aware of things that are important for me based on some of the things you already revealed. And it also gives me an idea of who I'm talking to and how I can support them. And and in the long run, that always pays. I don't have to worry. Like I don't have to worry what the results are going to be. It just that that's a, that takes care
0: of itself. You know, it's come up for me, Dan. A conversation might as well have it here and now. Um, that's been in my mind thinking of, especially as become more acute in this moment with Chad and thinking about the regret I have for not being a better friend to you when your mom died. I wasn't at the funeral. I don't, I wasn't connected to really what you were going through. And I have such regret of about that.
2: I remember talking to you a lot about you, you were, uh, it's funny how you see it. Cause I, you, you were like a refuge to me. Kind of the struggles I was going through in the family, and yeah, they helped me get perspective quite a bit. So, but I, I, so that's how I remember it. That's I mean, great. because you were, I mean, I remember talking about some of the hospital stuff and yeah, family dynamics, and you were really, you were very helpful just listening
0: and talking about it. Well, I'm glad you remember it that way. I just, it, it just strikes me. Uh, I wasn't there, you know.
2: It's interesting how our different experiences, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: I was enjoying somebody who wasn't there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wasn't I was there like refug- I wasn't I was taking refuge in a ghost.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean like, you know, I could have come to the hospital, I could have come to the funeral, oh, I could have, you know, all those things.
2: You know, I I yeah. could have. That would have been helpful though, to have you with those nurses and the way yeah. they, you know, held the morphine back and Yeah. you know, that would have been helpful. You're right. But I yeah. I didn't I want you to know I was grateful for the friendship, so. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that, too. Yeah. I appreciate that. I never thought of it that way.
0: Thank you. Yeah. Maybe to the point you guys were making is, you know, if you're a leader thinking about this, you know, are there certain, I guess in the most general way, people love to separate work life and quote unquote real life or personal life. And and you can go ahead and do that if you want. Um But if you, if you, if you would just wonder, I think part of this conversation is a wondering of like, what's, what's there to be had in relationships if we decide to take kind of these walls down or take the silos away or uh, take all these integration, you know, it's uh, I assume people don't wander in because they don't want the mess or won't quote unquote won't know what to say. Or maybe they fear that if they got too involved, they break some kind of professional code or something silly like that. Um, you know, but if you're thinking about this and, and thinking about your team, that's my invite to you is just to wonder, uh, what could happen? Uh, I'm thinking about it pragmatically as well, because I mean, if we're connected more deeply to someone and then we work shoulder to shoulder with them, what's to be lost by loving each other more, knowing each other more, being more connected. I'm not sure there's much to be lost. Um, So if, therefore, like, what is there to be gained if we decide to go a little deeper, ask the extra question, take the extra ten minutes to see what's happening, where someone really is. Yeah, I just invite people to take the take the leap, ask the question, have the coffee, pay a visit.
1: I'm so grateful to. to publish this so that people can see your guys' example, see what's possible, how you standing for me and what our relationship is, um, to know that, I mean, I think... So many people don't have, have never had an example like this in their life. And, and to know that this is, you know, your mind gets opened when you see other, like, oh my gosh, you can actually like be with people that you work with like this.
2: Yeah. I my, my mind is like, to me, it's important because it's, otherwise we're just tools. And I've already had that relationship multiple times and, uh, I much prefer this and, because I, you know, I've succeeded and I've failed and success and failure are both better connected and, you know, disconnected and isolated.
0: Right, Right.
2: Like new possibility. I... So. Because you can actually be, you can still be tough as nails and care about people. You know, we can make the hard decisions. In fact, I've found it easier to make a hard decision when we're connected what's there and and deal with what the, what the issue is, the problem. And don't worry about, you know, it can be connected to the person.
1: I agree.
0: Well, thank you, guys.
2: All right, brother. Yeah.
1: Love both of you.
0: Yeah. Love you too, man. and this with you.
2: Amen.
1: All right. I guess that's it.
2: That's it.
0: All right. Thanks
1: for listening, folks. Bye-bye, everybody. Well, my friends, thank you so much for joining us for another episode of the Naked Leadership Podcast. As a heads up, every Friday, we post a Cliff Notes version of that week's conversation with all the highlights in under five minutes. Check that out for a quick and powerful reminder of the principles discussed. I hope this conversation has been valuable to you. If it has, the greatest compliment you could pay us is sharing it with somebody who could use it. Thanks so much for listening and until next week, bye-bye everybody.